You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome to the pinnacle of wrestling entertainment, Premier Streaming Network. Join us at watchonpremier.com to unlock the ultimate wrestling experience, curated to perfection. Immerse yourself in the spectacular world of wrestling history, where classic battles and unforgettable moments are at your fingertips. Join us today and experience the epitome of curated wrestling content, because when it comes to wrestling entertainment, Premier sets the standard. Be Premier. This is the MLW Radio Network. This is the Mind of the Meanie. Here are your hosts, the Blue Meanie and Adam Barnard. Peace world and welcome everybody to the Mind of the Meanie, your weekly peek into the world according to former WWE superstar and ECW original, the Blue Meanie. We'll cover wrestling, music, movies, sports, and lots and lots of useless knowledge all contained in the Mind of the Meanie. I am your tour guide, Adam Barnard, and he is the Blue Meanie. Meanie, what is on your mind? Uh, on this 4th of July, on which you're listening to, I am red, white, and bruised. <laughs> <laughs> you have the red, uh, white, and blue on the shirt and on your arm. Yeah. Yeah. I hate to sound like a, like a cry baby, but yeah, I, uh, little inside baseball, we're recording this on July 1st, last night. June 30th, we uh, had a special live event for the Monster Factory at the 2300 Arena. And uh, I was in the uh, Battle Royal that they had, their version of the Royal Rumble. And uh, for whatever reason, whenever I wrestle, I w- I'm like the king of the mystery brews. Or I'll have a bruise. I just don't know where it came from, except this one. I know where I got. And uh, I was, uh, well, the deal is I, I was in the Battle Royal and uh, I was, of course, challenging the heel to a dance-off. And uh, as I was doing my version of dance-off, he gave me a little low blow and went to throw me over the top rope. And then I was like, sell the, you know, I was so, I was so focused on selling the nut shot that I wanted, wanted my you know, elimination look real enough, but my arm got caught up. Like I had my hand on the top rope and on the way down, my arm hit the second rope. And it was just like, it's like one of those burns your grandfather gives you when you're a kid when he grabs the arm and just starts twisting. So I got this little uh, gimmick. You can see if you go to patreon.com slash mine at Amini. Yeah, you can watch us there. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Now, 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 for someone who's never been in a, in a wrestling ring before in that way, like, what does something like that feel like? Oh, it sucks. <laughs> uh, but it also didn't help that, like, uh, a Monster Factory got, like, a new ring. Mm. And it's a little bit taller. <laughs> oh, it's like uh, yeah, it's like a, a slightly higher from the floor than the rings I'm used to, and the ropes are a little bit lower, kind of like WCW ring ro- ropes, and uh, which ain't bad, but like everything was just thrown off. I was like, man, we're that we're way up here. If I did, I died. You know, I, tr- I was trying to do my best to sell what happened to me and get eliminated. Right, and in the process, I got the uh, the mother of all raspberries on the, on my arm. Uh, you know, it is what it is. It's it's uh, a good conversation piece, I guess. For hopefully, nobody thinks I'm a fucking cutter or anything. But you know, it's, uh, 
it's a good conversation piece. Oh, what's that? Oh, well, by the way, did you know I'm a professional wrestler? They <laughs> used, used to be my conversation piece for like the blue hair. People go, oh, are you in a band? Well, no, actually, it's for my job. <laughs> I'm a professional wrestler. Well, actually, then, funny you asked, yes. Yeah, funny you ask. Funny you're nosy. Um, nosy prick. Yeah, right. Friends. Yeah. Don't you know what's who I am? I'm the fucking JBL guy. Uh, well, what's it to you? Were you a cop? That's my question. <laughs> what are you, the question somebody king? You Dan Rather? The fuck? Somebody, yeah, somebody asked me a question. I, I, like, I'm like, I, I'm pretty sure it's none of their business. I go, what are you, writing a fucking book? <laughs> you a cop? See, I don't think I've, I haven't gotten to that point yet, but I know if you give me the side eye and you give me the cop question, then I'm like, all right, I know I've hit my limit with Meanie here. <laughs> Dude, uh, like, I, I don't know if I said this last week, but uh, we had a signing at my friend Justin's store in uh, Maze Landing, Far Point Toys. Yeah. And, uh, him, my friend Justin, and Mrs. Meany were having a conversation. They talk about they know when I, they can tell when I've mentally checked out of a conversation where, like, I've, I'm having a conversation and somebody's totally talking about something or not letting me have my end of the conversation as I just check. I was like, this odd conversation is obviously all about you and what you think. And you don't want me to say anything. So I'm just going to check out and just stare off in the space. <laughs> and once you realize I've, I've done engaging with you, you'll just walk away. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, it's a lot you know. easier. It's, I feel like it's a lot easier to do that than it is to just kind of awkwardly, you give that like, Hey, I'm, trying to give you my body language that I'm leaving this conversation, but you can't yeah. get away because you're stuck. And it's like, how do I, I get out it, of this? I call it the soft landing. I give you a soft landing yeah. to ease your way out of the conversation. I can move on. George Carlin has a fucking brilliant bit about it. You know, you know, I think the bit's called people are stupid. <laughs> and we just talk about like how people don't know how to have a fucking phone call anymore. It's like, you're like, you try to hang up. You're like, yeah, uh-huh. Oh, okay. Oh, well, uh, all right. That's cool. And then, you know, and the people usually go, okay, talk to you later. And then, then did I tell you about my kids? Oh, fuck. <laughs> did I tell you about my mom and dad? <laughs> That's the one. Oh, yeah. yeah. I tell you about my mom and dad. My mom and dad, yeah. it was like six years ago. Oh, no, maybe yeah. it was seven. Let's yeah. say six and a half. That's literally yeah. my father-in-law. It's the worst thing in the entire world. Yeah. George Carlin does the perfect bit on it. And it's amazing. But, uh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't know how we got down this road. But, I don't know. Uh, hey, but you know what? Who I'm glad joined us on this voyage, on this sojourn, if you will, the Pod Squad what? is here today with us. What up, Pod Squad? Mine- Schlichter! Schlichter's here. Vanessa's here. Bailey's here. Shackleford with the hammer. Go to patreon.com slash mind of the meanie right now. Sign up. Become a patron on Patreon and join us in our chat here. Speaking of Slichter, Slichter uh, came out to the 2300 Arena for the uh, Monster Factory event. And uh, him and uh, Jeffrey Mitchell and his wonderful family as well came out. And uh, me and his uh, young son uh, recreated a photo we took where he had me in a headlock when he was a, a wee boy. <laughs> and now he's uh, uh, unwe- Wait, he's taller boy. Uh, and it was pretty fun to recreate that. And, and I popped myself when I realized, you know, I was on the same side of them and the pictures are almost identical, except the kid is much taller now. So <laughs> a lot of fun. I love doing shows. I love doing meet and greets. I love just sitting around and bullshitting with people and just, you know, having a good time. And 
Last night was a good time. It was good. I'm glad uh, Slichter made the trip down, you know, and uh, so many of my friends came out and uh, hung out, and it was, it, was, it was a good time. Yeah, there's a lot of great pictures here. It looks like you are in the Battle Royal, so check it out. You can find it on YouTube right now, right? Go to find the Monster Factory Pro Wrestling YouTube channel. Uh, all f- show went a little long. It was almost like four hours, but uh, it, it was a good showing. Uh, the, the, the building was packed. Uh, little Inside Baseball, uh, they're filming a docuseries on the Monster Factory called Monster Factory, which is slated for December on Apple TV. So uh, they filmed a lot with me last night. Uh, they filmed a little bit with me at the school, but, you know, with COVID and everything, I try not to have to go over there as much mm. because, you know, it's testing and retesting and all that stuff. But, uh, and well, they tested everybody for the show, this show, but, uh, you know, I, I got to do a lot of stuff and, you know, there, I got filmed a lot last night, which was fun. But, uh, yeah, definitely, uh, I'm sure I'll have the information when, when more comes out. But, uh, yeah, go to uh, youtube.com, Monster Factory. I, I, I want to say it's my, Monster Factory TV or Monster Factory Pro Wrestling. Either way, you can't miss it. The show is called Step Into the Arena. Check that out. Definitely check it out. We'll put it in the show notes as well for you, and we'll make sure that we post it in the social groups as well. Uh, I wanted to ask you, though, at the top of the program, uh, as our yeah. friend uh, Jim Cornette would say, well, goddamn, uh, what do you think about... Matt Riddle in the Money in the Bank ladder match coming up very, very soon. How are you feeling? I'm, I'm very excited for him. Uh, you know, uh, WWE's doing like some side videos, of, you know, with him of him uh, training. He, he trains in, the, you know, uh, martial arts. Him and, uh, you know, there's uh, Sumi Sasaki, uh, her and her husband, train as well and there's the, the video there they're in the video clip uh uh shinsuke nakamura he's in the video training because they do the mixed martial arts and stuff like that so yeah it's it's very cool that you're doing these little featurettes on him on the youtube channel but yeah uh i think it's really cool um you know right now is the perfect op- opportunity for riddle to get that singles run because mm. he's been with our bro and there's been a couple of times where they've talked about splitting up RK bro and wisely they talked them out of it. You know, Riddle and, and Randy talked them out of it. It's like, look, we're one of the top selling t-shirts in, in the company. Why would you stop that? I, I mean, are, are you allergic to money? Yeah. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's keep this thing going. But unfortunately Randy got injured, uh, for shoot. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, out of a bad situation comes uh, an opportunity for Riddle to, you know, possibly become a contender for one of the, uh, the belts, you know, uh, the, the men's, uh, money in the bank, uh, briefcase, which he can have the pick of the litter of what, which championship he wants to go for. And I think that would be, uh, uh that's a, that's a pretty cool prospect for him, you know, uh, considering, you know, the journey he's been on from, uh, you know, MMA to coming to the monster factory killing it at the monster factory then getting signed going to nxt well he went to evolve and then he went to nxt and now he's been on the main roster for a little bit now and he's he's been killing he's got a following you know people love him i love him you know and uh i'm excited to see where this goes you know i'll i'll, I'll put on my fanboy hat you know yeah you know I'm, I'll, I'll always cheer for the people you know you know i, I cheer for the business as a whole but 
know, for special people I have a connection with. And uh, I'm, I'm really proud of Matt, you know, as I, as I was proud of everybody who was at the monster factory show last night and had a good showing. And, you know, uh, it's just uh, part of, uh, you know, you know, when you, when you, you coach with somebody, it's, you know, there's a piece of you with them, you know, because the fact that you made it this far means, you know, me and the rest of the coaches of Monster, Fa- Monster Factory did a, a good job coaching him up. You know, he had the tools, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, he, yeah, I coached Matt Riddle, but uh, I didn't really have to teach him how to wrestle because A, he's a, a champion amateur wrestler and he's a, he's a, an accomplished mixed martial artist. I just had to retool uh, his, his, uh, his mechanics towards pro wrestling. So, and uh, that's what we did at the Monster Factory. And the fact that he's in the money and the ladder, money to bank ladder match uh, is quite an accomplishment. You now he's legit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he's legit. Like what you see is just him with the, uh, the volume turn up a little bit, even though he seems as metal mellow as can be, you know? Uh, yeah. I'm just so proud of him. It looks like a pretty stacked card. And honestly, like what I, what I like about this style of, you know, the money in the bank is that there are several people in here, not just one. Like, it's not like it's Brock Lesnar versus like six people because, you know, you know how that's going to turn out. But it's like Seth Rollins could easily win this. So could Drew McIntyre. Sami yeah. Zayn could like any one of these people could absolutely win it and would be the right choice. Um, there's definitely there's still a contender that's out there. Obviously, by the time this show airs, we'll know who won. Um, but it because it's tomorrow. But it's still I'm excited this time around to see who's going to win because I, I, I'm curious to see if they are going to push Riddle because they're in this weird spot where they don't have any built brand new big names, right? There's no one that's kind of there right now on the top level in the way Cody or Roman. And then the baby face department. Right. That's yeah. So, I mean, like it's, you know, Drew is almost back to that point, I think, but I feel like there's a different build for him and Roman if they're going to go do that match in England, but maybe Riddle will be the one that that kind of pulls it off. I think there's a great story with uh, with Sami Zayn and the bloodline outside of it, but I don't know if it's necessarily the right choice for him to win. But we'll see. Imagine, imagine you know Drew and Roman in England, and it, which belt is that for? Is that for both belts or for one of the belts? I it's, if I remember correctly, he mentioned the Universal Title during the promo that he gave because he's on SmackDown. So imagine, you know, Drew wins the universal title and then Riddle comes in and cashes in for the world title. Jesus. So he can lo- lose the belt to two people at the same time. Yeah. And then this goes on a, on a rampage and just, you know, goes through the, you know, the Romans revenge tour, you know, <laughs> all, all the way up to uh, WrestleMania. Yeah. You know, and get, they either be WrestleMania against, you know, uh, against Riddle or Drew, you know? I think what's a little less clear for me is... Uh, WrestleMania or did I mean SummerSlam? I think... SummerSlam. Yeah, you said WrestleMania, but I think you meant SummerSlam in, the, uh, yeah, in August. Yeah, yeah. I knew what you yeah. meant, and the listeners did too. Don't forget, patreon.com slash Watch our beautiful faces. Watch our beautiful faces. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think I struck one of those poses in the battle roll because I was in the corner and nobody was coming to me. So I just, <laughs> like, uh, like it was, I was taking my uh, third grade uh, fake woodsy background photo. I was just sitting like, <laughs> dude, I shit you not. My senior, my senior photos, I don't have the proofs anymore. I used to have them. I don't know where they went. But one of the poses, I swear to God, was one of these. 
It's like, what yeah. the fuck am I doing? Like, what are we doing here? This is one insane. Time, one time Bill Apter came to an ECW show. I want to say, uh, I forget where. It was at a ice rink, like north of Philly. And he was taking photos for the magazine and, you know, like, dreaming a bunch of boys were in the room. And I'm posing for Bill. So I just started doing these, like, goofy poses, like the one, like, this one would, like... <laughs> Yeah, you know, the two hands under the the chin and looking at Quizza, and I was just doing that the the pop. Yeah, you know, I think they might have used one of them, but it was, it was that that's my go to pose. You know, to trying to you know pop someone or make them laugh. <laughs> uh, little Jimmy is here. I want to make sure we give a shout out to Little Jimmy from Nebraska. Is here. I'm an Adam Bernard guy. Shirt is over. Yes. By the way, go to prowrestlingtees.com slash mind of the meaning right now. Hey, right now, there's a, a sale until July 5th, so get in on it. Use promo code AMERICA22 yep. for WrestlingTees.com slash Blue Meanie slash Minded Meanie. Get your uh, foundation radio. Yes, sir. And uh, use that code and save. I know we usually do the promo at the end, but while I'm thinking of it and before I get stupid. Yes. Too late. We have break, uh, We have breaking news. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> let's try. Let's try it again. We have we have we have breaking news. A mini a mini alert. We have a mini alert. Go to prowrestlingtees.com slash blue mini slash mine and mini slash foundation radio. Use promo code America twenty two and save twenty percent on all t shirts and various merchandise that we have there. See, I misread that. I thought you were going to go into another thing where you were going to talk about at the end where you're going to be appearing, and I thought that you were just going to drop the 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 beginning part of that. So I totally fucked that up. So that's my fault, friends. <laughs> and we're having a good time here. It's meanie after dark. We're having <laughs> fun. Um, well, it's more like dusk <laughs> or, uh, or twilight. Twilight. Meanie after evening. I am a dumb meanie. Meanie yes. after twilight. Meanie um, no think good. <laughs> Tommy want wingy. Um, so I, the one, <laughs> the one I'm not so sure about right now is the women's match. Um, Lacey Evans, Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, Raquel Rodriguez, Oscar Shotzi, and Becky Lynch for the ba- for the briefcase. Meaning, I know this is going to air after it happens, but who is your pick to win the women's Money in the Bank briefcase this year? Uh, I would definitely have to go for Oscar, just because. Uh... When they had uh, WWE superstars representing classic ECW talent, Oscar was the BWO. That's right. So, yeah. So, uh, and she, yeah, she's um, she's amazing. So, yeah, definitely her, definitely her or Shotzi. Just uh, Shotzi's an amazing talent as well. I mean, they're all amazing, talented women. But you know, so if yeah, if I had to pick, and you know, feel the direction, feel the tide. Either Oscar or Shotzi. See, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a curveball. I think it's Liv Morgan's time right now. I think it's uh, I think the build is finally there for her, and I think she could do it. Um, I don't know. I I feel like it, it's difficult to say who she would cash in against, though. If it would be a Bianca or or Ronda, I'm not I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the mystery of it, and that's uh, what keeps us guessing. You know, that's that's the beauty of the, the money in the bank briefcase because you never know but yeah I, I don't know who i mean who would you even decide to pick it yeah. depends on uh you know how you, then again you know everything's written in pencil 
That's right. why, you know, it's worker's pencil. That's because there's an eraser on the end. So one of the things I never really liked, though, about the money in the bank is when the guys lose, you know, like Baron Corbin lost to cash yeah. in, which I think is kind of ridiculous. But I, I never understood that. It's like if the whole point is this guy to cash in to become the champion, you know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess in my head, it's like, well, why give him the briefcase? And it, well, it's not like Otis winning in 2020, but it's just like, I don't know. Well, the, the, the briefcase doesn't guarantee that you're going to win the belt. True. It's, it's, it's the excitement of potentially, you know, catching a champion at, at a mo- moment of weakness and taking advantage. But, you know, hey, Babe Ruth didn't hit a home run every time he went to the plate, you true. know? Yeah, that's true. I didn't uh, think about that. There's got to be a, a moment where somebody fails to cash in, you know, just, uh, you know, you know, wrestling should have that element of realism. I, I've told the story a million times. Sabu used people, you know, th- would think Sabu was botching his moves, but he, I know for a fact in matches, he would purposely work a botch, but just because he had the theory that, you know, and I stole the line from him. Babe Ruth didn't home run, hit a home run every time he went to the, went to bat, you know? You know, baseball's the sport where you can only be you only have to be thirty percent successful to be considered to be considered a good player, you know, when it comes to hitting the ball. Yeah. If you hit the ball 30 percent out of a hundred, you're good. You know. The best player was Ted Williams and he had a what is it, lifetime four hundred, forty percent average. Yeah. <laughs> that man he stunk sixty percent of the time. Right. And wrestling, you know, not everything should be automatic, you know. Uh Back in the day, you know the you know back in the nineties, the uh, the psychology in all Japan is guy hit his finisher, guy kicked out. All right, I'm gonna hit my finisher again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you stay the fuck down. Yeah. But uh, getting back to the money in the bank, you know, if somebody cashes and they don't win, I'm fine with it as long as it's done right and done well. Yeah. And then somehow it furthers a storyline or an angle, you know, just um, yeah, it, it's uh, you know. Wrestling shouldn't be perfect. It should it should be sloppy, you know? It should look real. It should look unplanned, you know? There's so much in wrestling that looks so... I hate to go on a rant. It looks so planned that it's just like... You know, Al Snow has the perfect analogy. It's the uh, fireworks pop. It's the oohs and the ahs, not the, oh my God, holy shit, what the fuck? You know? Yeah. Kind of reaction you want guttural visceral reactions not ooze and ahs but you know wrestling should never look perfect you know it, it should look real you know uh, you know like jazz just uh, wing it i know that kevin nash said something along the lines of that he either he didn't like when mick foley went off the top of the cage or like was was angry about it or something there's some there's a video out there of him talking about it and he was Who's this kevin uh, kevin nash Okay. said that he was upset when Mick Foley went off the top of the cage because now it's almost like, well, everybody's going to top that. And how is everybody going to top that? Do you think, right. do you, I guess, what's your take on that? Because I'd be curious to know if you thought that that was a good move for him. Like in, in I guess, as sort of as someone who's in the wrestling world, you know, what did you, what were your, what would your take on that be? I mean, I, I get what Kevin's saying, but also what Mick did added to the allure of, you know, hell in a cell. Right. You know, um, I, I can see if you're on, on a card in the opening match and you do a move that takes away from the rest of the show, you know, uh, 
you know, there's that joke, you know, when you see somebody doing the match, you're like, shit, what am I going to do now? Yeah, they did everything in the first match. Yeah. And, uh, there, there, in wrestling, there's always that element of we're going to do the top that, you know, I can see if you're on, on, on a, a card and the guy in the opening match, you know, hits a bunch, a bunch of finishers and they've seen everything before the main eventer goes out there and he kills the flow of the show, you know, that, certain matches are put in certain spots for certain reasons, ebb and flow, you know, bring them up, bring them down. Not that bringing them down's a bad thing or an insult. It's just what you do, you know, a little breather, you know. Um, but as far as, you know, Mick going off the cage, that's what, that was, you know, a moment for a particular match, which was Hell in a Cell. And uh, it added to the mystique and the allure of what could happen in Hell in a Cell. Now, the fact that, you know, people go off the side of the cage all the time to me, I think is a little overkill because it take it does take a little bit away from the mystique of what Mick did. Right. You know, you know, if something's something should be dangerous and stuff like that. So, you know, people going off the side of the cage all the time after Mick, to me, that was a little bit overkill. That, that should, that area should never have been broached. Yeah. Again. But, um, you know, and I don't think I don't think Mick going off the cage killed it for anybody. Just, uh, but I get what Kevin's saying. You know, I and I totally understand and respect what his opinion. But in my opinion, uh, he did what he what he did help make a gimmick match even more mysterious and dangerous. Yeah, yeah. See, I, I just being a, a regular old cage match where you're able to fight on the floor it added an element of danger to that match that shit, these guys could fight on top of the goddamn thing, you know, and fly off the top. And that second, even though that second bump wasn't playing with the choke slam. Right. Good Lord. I mean, it was, I think it, I think the anniversary was just recently too. I think it was 20, is it 21 years ago or 22 years ago now? Yeah. Something, something like, like that. that. But uh, yeah. no, it's funny. You said that. I guess it's funny. We transitioned into this because it just happened at blood and guts. Uh, I guess it was Wednesday, uh, Eddie Kingston threw Sammy Guevara off the top of the cage. And I thought, wow, that was, you know, I like, see, and I, and I, I tend to agree with friend of the show, Eric Bischoff, when he talks about the grittiness of AEW, you know, like sort of the unseasoned, like not underproduced, but like, it's not like a movie quality the way WWE does it. Right. They don't have the AK cameras. They don't have any of that stuff. So I appreciated sort of the, the, the WCW style view of it. But at the same time, it wasn't when I watched it, it was just like I had a, you know, there was no reaction from me. You know, it was very much like a, okay, he went off the top of the cage. He landed on a big, like, same thing with Miz and Shane McMahon when they did the, the big spot at WrestleMania when he did the the suplex off the top of the ramp. It was just like, like, you know, it was cool visually, but at the same time, it's like, you know, we've already kind of broached this. It's cool visually for the people who have floor seats. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. The pre-planned stack of tables with uh, cardboard boxes full of whatever they film in to break the fall. Right. But by watching at home, you know, getting thrown off the off the top of a cage onto something that's normally not at ringside any other time. Right. Yeah. Kind of takes away from it. Um, it's again, and, and yeah, the blood and guts. You know, I love that they they're doing their version of the war games. But again, you know, uh, 
once Jericho went off the top. Oh, man. That there should have been a moratorium of people not going off the top for a while. I think that should have been kept for, you know, there should have been like a Jericho statue of limitations of, okay, when's the next time somebody could go off the top? Because if you keep going off the top of blood and cuts, it kind of takes away from the Jericho bump. Well, right. And then you're also expecting it. You know, it's just like, okay, now we're here and we're waiting, you know, like it's, it's very predictable, you know? Yeah. If you're expecting it and it happens, it's like, why even tune in to watch if you're expecting it? Right. If you, you know, like we were talking last week with the Kofi uh, thing in the rumble, you know, mm-hmm. even though the Kofi thing I thought was creative, you know, a little bit more creative each and every year, you yeah. know, he, he, he one up himself. But uh, if somebody else did it, it would just wouldn't have had the, the same special, special, speciality to it. Yeah, it's, it's uh, watching Shane McMahon or Randy Orton do it. It's like, eh, not, you know, not exactly what I was thinking of. Yeah, if anybody else did it, it would have been like, eh, that's Kofi's thing, you know? You know, going off the top of blood and guts, eh, it, there should be a moratorium because Jericho took that one nasty plunge off the, the, the top, you know? The nasty plunge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's going to be fucking terrifying, though, dude. I work at a building in Philadelphia that's 29 stories high. If I get close to the windows, man, my fucking knees buckle. Do you imagine standing out top of how? I don't even know how high that cage is. 15 dude, foot? When I, when I first got into ECW, uh, the Pitbulls had this finisher called the Super Bomb, where the one Pitbull, uh, Pitbull Anthony, was still on the top, and Gary would uh, pick you up like an atomic drop of Fijin to Anthony. Anthony would stand up with you and power bomb you from the second rope. I took a few of those. And there's something very unnerving about looking out into the crowd and then slowly watching them disappear and you're staring at the ceiling and, and you don't know when impact is coming. You, yeah. know, you don't know when you're about to hit. And, you know, if you're taking a certain bump, like, you know, and you, you can prepare yourself. And when you're taking your own bump for something, you can prepare for, have a good idea when you're going to land and win the brace, you know, yeah. like that. You're like, holy shit, you know, so... You know, to go backwards off a cage that high, you know, kudos to Jericho for being able to have the nerve to do it. Yeah. You know, take a blind bump, hoping you hit the uh, the sweet spot, you know, so to speak, you know. That's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's ballsy. I mean, again, it was it was good visually. You know, I, 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 well, I, I guess the, the impact, I think, when he landed in the, in the padding, I think people had a little bit of an issue with that. But at the same time, it's like, okay, so we all are sitting here agreeing that a 50-some-odd-year-old man should just fall right onto the concrete, right? That's what we're yeah. doing. Yeah. I'll have no problem with that because, you know, in, in the pandemic, yeah, they had a certain setup, and where he fell was part of the natural setup of the building anyway. Right. It gimmicked something that was always there. Well, right. That's That was the difference between that fall and what happened a couple days ago with Eddie and, and Guevara. Yeah. I love Eddie and Sammy. I'm not th- dissing them, but it's right. Just, no. Yeah. It was a kind of anticlimactic. Yeah. You know, it, Cause they, you, you, you got thrown off onto an area, which thrown onto something that was, you won't see that, see that area, whatever that contraption was, you won't see it there next week. So, you know, it was put there for this week. So it takes away the danger of the spot. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It takes, it takes the magic away. 
I think the last time that I really popped for somebody jumping off the top of a cage was probably Shane at 30, what was that, 32 or 33? Yeah. When he jumped off. Yeah. That was crazy to watch. Like, just just thinking about him landing there was just like, because I don't think any of that, was any of that gimmicked? I couldn't tell. Here's me being a a mark. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you could tell. Uh, Well, once you hit the table, you could see the whatever airbag they had inflated underneath. Oh, they had an airbag. Because I could, I'm look, I watched it back. And I, when I look, my my eyes, you saw something go, like, let the air out. I see. I see. Yeah. They just blacked it out of the round, they blacked it around it with a black curtain or whatever. So when he hits, you see like, like draping go out. Yeah. Like, like letting air out of a fucking, you know, just like a, like a, the thing that Sammy landed on the other night. Yeah. You know, like a big, they just just cover in black draping and, you know, they just put black, uh, whatever inflatable thing underneath the table for Shane and covered it in black. So it just looked, looked more natural, you know, even still, I mean, you could have, he could have slipped on that. You know what I mean? Like there's uh, like what happened with Rob and in front of the show, Rob Van Dam and, and triple H like he almost killed Hunter and it wasn't on purpose. It was just because he slipped off at like anything could happen. And that's to me, like that is anybody who's doing it. Shane, Sammy Guevara, Chris Jericho. It's, it's balls. Like it, it takes a certain level of, of balls of steel to do something like that. No, I respect it. It's just, uh, there should be a moratorium on it. Yeah. Yeah. I think we need to retire stuff like that. What I want to see more of though is Claudio spinning people. I saw a tweet. <laughs> I saw a tweet. I can't, I, I, I don't care if you, you call him Cesaro Claudio. He's in the fucking Blackpool combat club, which is exactly where the fuck he needs to be. That oh, I think my friend, if there was ever a forbidden door, ever a forbidden door, blue meanie, it yes. should be the bloodline and the Blackpool combat club. That would be, <laughs> you could just fuck, you're just printing money right now but somebody tweeted that uh claudio they should end a, an episode of rampage with claudio spinning someone and open the next episode of dynamite and he's still spinning that person <laughs> and that I, was, like, that'd be I fucking be, great that would be amazing and speaking of uh forbidden door let's talk let's not forget that you know three aew talents appeared on monday night raw last night to give well wishes for john cena how cool was that <laughs> Daniel Bryan, uh, Big Show, and Jericho all send in videos for John Cena, you know, three contracted AEW talent. So uh, that, that's the true forbidden door. Right. You know, somebody comes over from WWE to AEW. Well, they kind of did with the Austin podcast, but, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure it, I'm sure it could. I mean, if, you know, that Tony Khan granted them, according to Fightful Select, Tony Khan was reached out by WWE he granted all three of the requests. He was like, yep, go ahead. So I'm sure in the future there might be some of that reciprocity, but I did not expect to see any of them on the show. I was like, wow, that's cool. And then Daniel Bryan, just show first, and then Daniel Bryan shows up. You're like, what? <laughs> this is weird, but I like yeah. it, you know? Yeah. So Yeah, it, 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 it was very cool of Tony to allow that and for, uh, cool WWE to uh, reach out. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was uh, speaking of the forbidden door. Um, I Sam Roberts, uh, he does a podcast called Not Sam Wrestling, and he was mm-hmm. doing an ultimate booking of uh, WWE and AEW, the Forbidden Door, and it was like he was like basically like no rules, no injuries, no cap, no egos. It's just me, you know, fantasy booking, and yeah. I, I haven't gotten all the way through it yet. 
But one of the things that he did, one of the matches that now I'm like, I want to see this because I think it would be great was Sami Zayn and Orange Cassidy. And I thought, like, I'm sitting here imagining he's like, like gaming it out. And I'm sitting here imagining, I'm like, fuck, that would be incredible. Just the promos. <laughs> Just boring. Just that, that would be amazing. And I'm sure they've, their paths have crossed when uh, they're both, they both worked at Chikara. So. I'm sure some somewhere, you know, uh, what, what was the, um, what was Sammy Zane before? El Generico. I, I wanted to say Delirious, but that's, uh, that's somebody else. El Generico, I'm sure El Generico crossed paths with what Orange Cassidy's prior uh, gimmick in Chikara. So, but there, this, this iteration of both of them, like Sammy Zane and Orange Cassidy, that would be fantastic. Just for the promos alone, yeah. forget the match. Just give me the promos, you know. That's but yeah, between the promos and like I feel like there is no one else right now who could like believably sell the Orange Cassidy gimmick the way that Sami Zayn could sell that gimmick. Like that yeah. would be like he get you know, he's just like, get your hands out of your pockets, fight me, do something, and he kicks, he does his moves, and it's like, come on, man, what do you do? It was just like very, very funny, uh, the way he yeah. was gaming it out. But now I'm sitting here like, fuck, that would be that would be some impressive shit. So Yeah. Speaking yeah, yeah. of Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, speaking of impressive shit, you guys broke the internet the other day at the, uh, what was it, the major, is it the major wrestling figure podcast? You and Real Daddy were there, right? Yeah, uh, we went down to uh, Jimmy's Famous Seafood last uh, Friday, uh, and uh, yeah, it was pretty cool to, to hang out and be a part of that universe. Shout out to Matt Cardona and Brian Myers for creating this this cool world they've they created with uh, their own homegrown talent and stuff like that, their own character in, in show characters. And it was cool. They brought me out and, uh, you know, I, uh, I did an interview, did a couple skits and stuff like that. And then, uh, it was just, it was a great one big hang, you know, uh, everybody was there hanging out and it's great to see like Cole Cabana and Johnny Gargano and, you know, Swaggle and, and it's so cool. You know, I'm still kind of buzzing over it. It, it was, it was a good time. Yeah, I, uh, I'm excited to have the three of us back on the show together. We're working, we're trying to find time for Real Dad to come back. He's been out for cigarettes for at least two years now, and we're really excited to have him back uh, at some point. Um, I'm trying to think of what else is going on. Here's uh, Jimmy, little Jimmy asked me a question here. I was listening to Pat McAfee's show earlier this week, and what do you guys think of Adrian Peterson? And I don't know how to pronounce his name. Lievian? Am I saying that right? Bell? In a boxing they, match. They're having a boxing they're match. They're having a box. I'm actually on the Google right now looking up when it's happening. Well, leave, leave on. I think it's leave on. That's no, a uh, Lavian Bell. Lavian Bell. That's it. Thank you. I could, my brain He's, wasn't processing it. Steelers. He was, he was, this, he was at Steelers and then I forget. He might've went to the Jets. Yeah, I don't know where he's at now, but I, I have no idea that they're doing a boxing match. Yeah. Honestly. Uh, I'm trying to pull it up here. CBS, Adrian Peterson, and Le'Veon I know uh, what's his name. Ocho Cinco's in town preparing for a, a fight. Chad Johnson, aka Chad Ocho Cinco, he's he's been out and about in Philly, uh, doing a bunch of stuff. He was at a Phillies game the other night, and uh, they showed him in the crowd just watching the Phillies. He's wearing all Phillies gear. Wow! And uh, he just did a couple things with uh, some of the Eagles players, like. Uh, 
he was uh, running routes with uh, Jalen Rager of the Eagles uh, working out. So That's he's crazy. in town for something. And from what I heard, he was he's going to try to do a, uh, one of those celebrity boxing matches. So he's been in town training or doing something. Uh, Google it. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking it up right now. I'm reading. He just he gave a shout out to the Green Eggs Cafe, which is a fantastic uh, food yes, spot here in Philly. Um, Absolutely. Let me see. What is he doing in town here? While this Adrian Peterson, while that's loading, they're going to be fighting on July 30th, uh, the Crypto.com Arena in Los Angeles, California. Um, I don't have an opinion on this. I, I, I'm not big on celebrity boxing. Not my Amen. thing. Um, <laughs> honestly, and I don't care that much for Adrian Peterson. Um, so, meh. Meh. <laughs> I tried to get me to do one of those fucking celebrity boxing things here in Philly. There's a, uh, local promoter, uh, Damon Feldman. Like he'll get all the, he'll have like Octomom come in town. He'll have a whole bunch of like different people do skits or celebrity boxing. And they reached out to me once. I was like, absolutely not. Yeah. No, thank you. you. know, I'm good. They, um, I'm, I'm familiar with, with Mr. Feldman. Um, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Not not yeah. something I would be <laughs> necessary. I don't know being a guy, but you know, you hear yeah. stories. Yeah, I, I, I've I, we'll leave it at this. I've I've had an interaction with with Mr. Feldman, and it's not particularly anything I want to talk about. But uh, I'm glad you didn't do the boxing match. I just I I don't know, man. I it just like it just seems like a cash grab, and it's kind of embarrassing yeah. most times. And it's just like you know. Um, no, thanks. Hard pass, little Jimmy, if you're asking Adam, uh, and I think me to paraphrase meatloaf, I would do anything for fun, but I won't do that. <laughs> yeah. Not happening, man. Uh, let me see what else is going on, man. Oh, by the way, let's get that out of the way right now. What's that? I will do any- the title of the show this week will be, I will do anything for fun, but I won't do there that. There you go. I'm writing it out right now. Listen. They'll get that. That'll get the casual listener. <laughs> That'll find him, pal. I uh, won't. Not me, loaf song. You'll know what I won't do. That's right. And you'll listen. And you could have heard it early and ad free at patreon.com slash mind of the meanie. Could have heard this a couple of days in advance. And now you're sitting on the beach, drinking your Bud Light, watching the fireworks. And you're like, fuck, I wish I've, wish I would have heard this earlier. Speaking of fireworks, we went to the uh, Motley Crew tour last week yeah tell me about that <laughs> shout out to uh you know motley crew def leopard poison and joan jet uh i missed joan jet set because i didn't have a proper guideline of who when who went on what where but i did a little pre uh show tailgating with uh former ecw alum well it's not former he's uh, he, he is ecw alumni uh lupus who was part of uh, Raven's Flock. Uh, he, we got together, to, had a couple pre-show cocktails. Uh, I maybe had one too many. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, went into the show, uh, got my second wind, and I undertakered up in time for poison. And, uh, you know, just, you know, came back to life, rocked out the poison. Shout out to CeCe DeVille. He did uh, a really cool rendition of Eddie Van Halen's Eruption. Cool. They put they flashed the stripes up on the screen. Uh, Def Leppard, amazing as usual. 
they all sound the their vocals are amazing. Uh, music's amazing. Uh, we hung out for like the first couple, maybe we, we watched about the first like five or six songs from Motley Crue. Um, fortunately, uh, Tommy Lee's a little banged up. He's got some broken ribs and he can only mm. play a couple songs. But, uh, you know, I have important things to do, like go to McCusker's. <laughs> in a so uh, we, hung, we did about five songs, six songs from Motley Crue. Then uh, we took a powder out and uh, went and hopped on the subway down to McCusker's and then uh, watched the fireworks of the concert from McCusker's because I guess after the Molly Crew show, they let off some fireworks and you could see them from the bar. That's awesome. So, yeah, it was a good night. It was a good night. You know, uh, we went um, we, right after uh, I taped, we taped uh, last week's episode of Mind the Meaning and we got together and uh, had our, you know, went on down to... Uh, it was at Citizens Bank Park where the, the Phillies play here in Philly. Amazing evening. Great evening. I, uh, it's one of my favorite things every year when I was a kid was going to the Phillies game with the fireworks the 4th of July. My, that was one thing my dad would do. He was always like steadfast on that. We would go with all of our cousins and we'd go and watch the fireworks. I missed it this year. I won't be able to make it because we'll be up in Jersey. But once, uh, once the boys are a little older, we'll take them. I guess that's a good thing about living where I live. I hear most of the things that happen down at the ballpark like if you're in the if it's the right time of evening you can hear whatever band is playing at citizens bank park all the way over where i live holy shit just, just natural acoustics or however it's mic'd or whatever or uh you know you'll hear it over at mccusker's on 17th and chunk you know we, we'll hear music and we go outside and we're like oh yeah there's a concert okay wow. yeah it's pretty cool that's pretty cool you know what else is pretty cool? What's a that? Question, a question I'm going to ask you. And what question might that be? Are you ready to ask me any? I would love to. It's time to ask me anything. Ask me something. Don't forget, tweet us your <laughs> questions and don't shit your pants while you do it. Dude, I, last night. <laughs> last night, uh, well. The Monster Factory show was Thursday night. Wednesday night, we went out to McCusker's for a little bit, and uh, they had this beer on tap called John. I was like, fuck, I'll give that a shot, right? <laughs> it's like an IPA. I was like, oh. So the next day, I'm letting out these fucking, I'm letting out farts that would fucking take rust off a bumper. <laughs> Just, uh, and I, dude, I was like, you know what? I'm going to. I'm going to stop farting after a certain time because I know I'm going to be in that battle Royal. Oh, and, and if I have the perfect one, I'm just going to stand in the corner, let one out and run a lap in the ring. Like Rick Steiner. <laughs> and just get everybody. But <laughs> crop dusting everybody in the ring. I had a fart, but I had stage fright. It just wouldn't come out. Oh. It just, and I'm, I've, I, I'm at the, I, I can't shit myself again in the ring. <laughs> I can't do that again. I was just thinking about that story. And I... I've shit myself in a ring about three times. And it's the last one was like water world. It was like, <laughs> no, it's so bad. Cause like, Oh my God, dude, we're in Pittsburgh. We're at the Ross Raver ice arena. It's a great day. I meet Bruno San Martino, Kurt angles there. <laughs> I get to work this fucking dude. And Right in the beginning of the match, I just shit myself. I'm like, oh, 
Oh my god. And the guy wanted to take me for a choke slam and I took the world's worst choke slam because I'm <laughs> I'm I was clenched. It's like, dude, if I if I just get any separation, it's gonna be like a Gallagher show in the front rows gonna look like <laughs> it's gonna like spinning tires in the mud. Yeah, just fucking hand out a tarp. And uh <laughs> oh my I get god. to the back, I get to the back, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm uh, surveying the damage. And Mrs. Meany sends me a text. I was like, I shit my pants. She's like, so, and she replies, so should I show this, throw this ice cream cone away I bought for you? I was like, no, I can eat ice cream. <laughs> oh, my God. I towed off and I cleaned up and threw out whatever I was wearing underneath my Daisy Dukes and had some had an ice cream cone. Well, I, yeah, I, I, man, my days of shit myself in a ring are done. I can't do that. I think that would be a big fear for me if I was wearing Daisy Dukes in the ring that like the poop would actually come through the underpants because I've ruined a very good I've ruined multiple pairs of jeans when you're sick and you trust that far too much man one time I was coming back from uh where's it coming back I think I was coming back from the city we were at a what's the cheesesteak place that used to be there on Roosevelt Boulevard right across from the Nabisco factory near Paddywax is that Jim's over there or Steve's I believe it I believe it was gyms. There's gyms. The gyms in Northeast Philly, yeah. And so I, I went there, got some food, and then we drove home. And I get out of the car. I get up to the front door. I put the key in the lock because I know I'm going to fucking, I'm going to let loose in a second, right? I turn the key to the door. And as soon as I turn the key, I farted a little bit. And I shouldn't have trusted that fart. And it was like a fucking explosion. It was, it was fucking horrible. It was horrible. All down my leg. I was just, it was ruthless and had to throw in my uh, jeans. <laughs> so there's a, an ECW original who should, should, who will remain, remain nameless. An ECW original who will remain nameless, who uh, was driving home and that was fucking fireworks going off. Speaking oh, yeah. Of I, heard, I was going to say, I heard that. Yeah. You hear that? I don't know. Oh, well. Um, an ECW original who will remain nameless, who was driving home and a a case of the shits was coming on. He's like, Oh my God. Oh my God. He pulls up in this driveway. He's running. He's bumbling for his keys. He can't find the right key to the door. Gets the right key to the door, runs up the stairs, uh, makes it to the bathroom. You know, your asshole knows when you're right near the toilet. Yeah. And you know, you get stopped like a crippled goose. You're just like, Oh, (laughs) fuck you're right at the, right at the door and you clutch both fucking door panes yep. and you're like, motherfucker. He goes in, goes to sit down, start shitting and realizes he didn't lift the toilet lid. Oh my God. <laughs> and it just went against, it went against the fucking <laughs> <and everything>. Oh my <laughs> God. That is horrific. Oh my God. Uh, your GPS knows where the toilet is. Yeah, but it was so bad he couldn't. He's like, he, no time to turn the fucking light or look for a light. Oh my god! Dropped the pants, turn around, sat down, and then spud tires in the mud. Just <laughs> there is absolutely nothing more like it's like you're trying to defuse a bomb when you're at yeah. the toilet getting ready to take a shit and you're trying to get your fucking belt undone in your pants because you're like, there is no stopping this train. This horse is out of the barn, man. We are not there, stopping this. If, if there's a God, he knows how to get in my way when I have to take a shit. <laughs> Dude, I was, we went and had like Indian food for lunch today 
And like a half hour later, my stomach was like, bloop, bloop. <laughs> oh, fuck. I yep. went up there and we keep it like right outside the bathroom, top of the steps. We keep a, a laundry basket. So we're getting a shower. We throw our dirty clothes right in the dirty laundry. I get up there and the fucking thing falls over. I'm like, Oh no. Mm. Oh no. I, I got it you know, do a crippled hurdle over the, <laughs> pick that up. Later. I am not bending over to pick up anything right now. Nope. I am duck walking to the bathroom. I look like Michigan J frog running away. Feet just out. Fucking, just fucking squidding to yeah. fucking toilet. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to hit the ask me again. So we can get us started here yeah. on our questions. Ask me something. It's the shits. I can't remember what regular air smells like. Don't forget to tweet us your questions. Now we've been talking about poop. Uh, tweet us your questions at at uh, Mind of the Meanie. Use hashtag. I'm focused on poop. Use the hashtag AskMeanie, and we will read your questions on the show. Here's a good one to start us this week. Pod Squad member Andy Schlichter wants to know, what do we have to do to get a meetup between Philadelphia legend and wrestling fan John Cruck? And the blue meanie. Dude, I would love to meet up with him. Uh, he, we follow each other, too, on social media. Uh, he follows me. I follow him. I love him. I don't, know if he, what his, I don't know his opinions on me, but maybe as a fellow big man in, in sports, maybe he has a, a mutual admiration. Uh, no, nah, I love John Cruck. My, my grandma loved John Cruck. She's big. My grandma was a huge Phillies fan. I somewhere in my house I have his autobiography called I Ain't an Athlete Lady. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Where some lady yelled something at him and he's like, I ain't an athlete lady. I need to find that and I need to get that signed by John Cruck. But uh dude, I would love to meet up with John Cruck eventually and uh take a photo. I love that guy. He, you know, look, the ninety three Phillies yeah. were the ECW of pro baseball. Yes. And so much so that I wrote an article for Sports Illustrated about it. Uh, they reached out, you know, uh, I forget my buddy's name right, right off that. But uh, he reached out and wanted me, he likes he liked the way I wrote. And I was like, I have the perfect analogy of how the 93 Phillies were ECW. Maybe I'll, I'll we'll post it on our social media and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, John Cruck was the epitome of, you know, John Cruck was like the Balls Mahoney character, you know, just... The ripped jeans and the mullet and stuff like that. But, yeah. you know, Shane Douglas was, uh, who's the pitcher? Um, Mitch Williams? No, the other one, uh, the blonde haired. Uh, oh, my God. Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling. Yeah. You know, Jim Eisenreich was Lance Storm, you know, you know, quiet but steadfast, you know, just a uh, yeah, perfect analogy and stuff like that. But, uh, dude, I would, I would love to meet John Crock. I have to meet John Crock. Eventually, you know, we're going to, I'm going to tweet this at, at John Crock. I'm going to clip this video. We're going to tweet it at him. John, we'd love to have you on the show. We'd love to see you anywhere. Cheese steaks on us, sir. Uh, Mark and Dryden wants to know, was Sabu a wrestler who could only have succeeded in ECW? Any others like him that come to mind? Yeah. Sabu was like one of the last, last outlaws, you know, uh, I'm sure he could have worked anywhere, but. ECW was perfect for him because Sabu was basically a product of the Sheik. The Sheik was such an outlaw that, you know, he picked up a lot of good things from the Sheik and he picked up maybe a couple rebellious habits from the Sheik. 
that might have, you know, hurt him in the long run. But, you know, uh, Sabu, just like the Sheik, did things his way. You know, uh, I often say it's a shame you can't, you know, uh, trademark a wrestling move. You know, to, or, uh, you know, uh, you know how songwriters write songs and they you know, register them with ASCAP or something like that. You know, yeah, you're you're playing certain chords and all that stuff, and yeah, Sabu's doing certain moves, but he was doing certain moves in a certain way that a lot of people wound up copying. Right, and he gets none of the credit. And, and when people, you know, credit, I mean, was Sabu the first person to ever go through a table? No, I watched Randy Savage pile drive Mick, uh, Ricky Morton through a table in Memphis at the Mid South Coliseum. I rewound that thirty million times. Because it was like the most amazing thing. I thought he killed Ricky Morton. But Sabu took the the whole table thing to a new level to where it's still done today. Yeah. And he gets none of the credit. And it would be nice if one announcer is like in the shades of legendary hardcore icon Sabu. It would be nice if he got that recognition. But uh, could he? Sure. He, he, he knew... He, he was an amateur wrestler. He, he he knows how to work, but for his character, he just did those things and those things he did in ECW kind of spawned the uh, attitude era. I think ECW as a whole uh, spawned the attitude era, but Sabu was definitely a part of that movement that spawned the ECW. It made ECW catch on as quick as it did because look at him all the scars on his body and the, the sacrifices he was, he was a, a human missile yep. and just diving through the air and wherever he landed, that's who, whoever he is, who he hit, you know? Yeah. And, uh, he's paying the price for it now, you know, between, you know, you know, the pain he goes through on an everyday basis. Um, but yeah, I mean, he could have, he could have made his style work anywhere. It just, uh, his work and style probably would, wouldn't have been his detriment just some of the uh, old school mentality of the rebellious chic is might have what cost him opportunities. I think also too, it's important to. And there's no wrong with the chic. I'm not. You know, the chic was a rebel, and chic did things on his own terms. He, and he right. was an an outlaw. Is is like punk rock, you know. But uh, you know, playing within the world of the WWE politics, you know, is is, is philosophy probably would have done more to hindered hindered him than his wrestling style. I think it's important also to say that Sabu worked at the time that he was wrestling because it was a different time. The nineties were a different time. I don't necessarily know if again, like, and we, we've talked about this before, but I don't necessarily know if a lot of the stuff that you guys did in ECW would necessarily translate today. I definitely think that there is a, there's a thirst for it, but I don't know if it would necessarily be, like, I don't think it would influence WWE in the way that it did in the 90s, right? Like, because you guys, arguably, ECW was the, that was that was what sparked the Attitude Movement. The Attitude Era, rather. Because if it, it hadn't was, been for you guys, they would have never pushed, neither company would have pushed the envelope, and nothing would have succeeded the way that it did. But uh, do you... The, I, WWE was, had grown, grown liter, into a literal circus and become stagnant. Yeah. And WCW was certainly stagnant. And uh, their business was hurting to the point where they stopped doing house shows and were just, you know, uh, doing TV tapings here and there. Everybody was hurting. 
and you know they were doing stupid shit like you know the dungeon to doom and uh, the white castle of fear and fucking wwe literally had a clown they you know they said wrestling is nothing but a circus they said oh well, here's our clown here's doink you know wwe was the antithesis of all that uh, you know ecw was the sex pistols yes you know, they had one great album and that album spawned on many a generation. Yeah. Even though the band, the band within itself couldn't maintain uh, forever their their deal was, but uh, you know, I say you know I say ECW was the Sex Pistols. I say it was Haley's Comet. It it shone brightly for a, a, a split second, for a moment in time. But whoever saw that was affected for the rest of their life. Agreed. And. And I know that because every time I go to a show, people tell me everything they loved about ECW people. And just like anything, you know, people will pass it down to the next generation. And that, you know, they'll, they'll, it's like a family heirloom. It's like uh, grandma's goes China, yeah. you know, I, Here, here's our dishes. Here's our, uh, here's our ECW. <laughs> I was just going to say that James keeps asking me, my oldest, he gives, you know, he's, he's been in your presence a couple of times and, He's like, you know, Dad, Meanie wrestled in WWE. I said, yeah. I said, but I knew Blue Meanie when he was in ECW. And he goes, what's ECW? And I said, I'll tell you when you're a little bit older. <laughs> I can't <laughs> tell you right now. You're not allowed to watch it right now. I said, it's very, it's, yeah. it's very extreme. But, you know. It's, he's, like, uh, it's like when a father pisses on his uh, family plate. <laughs> Come on in, kid. Let's uh, have a seat here over here. We're going to teach you today about extreme championship wrestling. We're going to take a look. <laughs> your mom doesn't like this kind of stuff so we're gonna watch yeah. it in here yeah she she frowns upon it <laughs> when dad's around you know you're gonna get the good stuff yeah. uh mark and dryden has another question here since i've never been anywhere near the industry which is why i'm not using insider terms yeah. what are your fate what are your guys's favorite bad guy turns of all time well, that's a good question as far as i mean turn and heel Turn heel. I'm not in the industry either. I just know that that's the way to, that's the right nomenclature. What's the best phrase for becoming a villain? No, he, I think he wants to know what's our, like what, who was our favorite, um, heel turn. Oh yeah. Like what uh, was the favorite heel turn? Yeah. Huh? That is a good question. I, I took me a, a second. I'm stuck on stupid today. Hey, man. Um, Oh my God. It would probably have to be Shawn Michaels, right? No, yeah, in the because, 90s with Marty, right? That was an iconic moment when, he, you know, that moment outlived the interview segment that they were on. You know, the barbershop. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He threw him through the barbershop window, which people talk more about him throwing him through the barbershop window than people ever have talked about the barbershop. Yeah. I mean, people talk about Piper's Pit all the time. And, you know, that's the most iconic interview segment in history, but the barbershop was, you know, a nice little avenue for Brutus to Barber Beefcake, but they had been teasing a breakup between the rockers. And then when it happened on the barbershop and he threw him through that plate glass window, I mean, talk about an iconic moment that's been played over and over and over again. I mean, Hogan was good too. Right. Hogan, that, was, that was, Hogan a, was unexpected. I think it was unexpected, but 
the fans had turned on Hulk by that point. Yeah. Where even his baby face shit was getting booed. So it took him to become a heel to become a baby face again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they started cheering him again when he turned heel. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when it comes to the rockers, I don't think anybody really expected Shawn Michaels to turn heel at the time. No. You know, he, he had been having his, he had his, having a series of matches. He had a really good match with Ric Flair that was, was a part of the build to him turning on Marty where Marty uh, put him back in the ring and, you know, Flair beat him, stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, for me, since it's just, you know, personal opinion and not fact, uh, I would have to say uh, Shawn Michaels turning on Marty Gennetti. You know, because, you know, you say barbershop window and people know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. I mean, obviously, I got a default to Hogan, but I don't want to give that answer because, like, you know, like I said, that was the best one. I feel like I don't know. I don't industry. Yeah, you know what? I don't. I don't know if anybody could ever really beat that heel turn. But for me, maybe Roman Reigns is up there. The way they executed it, because I feel again when we've talked about this before, but I feel like the Thunderdome really allowed that character to grow in a way that was natural. And not forced. I mean, you know, I, I've talked about this before. Jey Uso, and I tweeted it the other day. Jey Uso and Montez Ford, both of those guys are going to be, their future WWE champions. They, yeah. ab- like, unquestionably. Every time I watch them wrestle on Monday Night Raw, um, I always tweet, like, this is a future WWE championship match. But I think the story that solidified Roman being a heel with main event Jey, I think yeah. that was just excellently done. Say what you want about the Thunderdome. Say what you want about the PC era. But that Roman Reigns heel turn, because it was slow, too, and methodical. And I think mm-hmm. the only way they pulled that off was when they were closed down. And I thought I think that was a good recent example. But I would I could say too, I would I would also go I would also lean into it with your with your Shawn Michaels turn. I think that also is a is a solid yeah, the best are the ones they don't expect. Yep. Or, shit, I'll go even old school. How about Zabisco turning on Bruno? Yeah. Yeah. That was out of nowhere. And, shit, they sold out stadiums with that. They sold out, sold out Shea Stadium. If you were, if you want to, you know, you know, get a historical about it, you know, uh, Zabisco was the, pro, you know, the, the prodigal son, however you want to say that. He was a, uh, the, you know, Bruno's golden boy that he was training to be, you know, the next Bruno and the, the mentor, uh, the student turned on the mentor. And, the, you know, if you go go on YouTube and look up Larry Zabisco turning heel on Bruno Sammartina and just watch the visceral reaction from the crowd, you know, people wanted to hit the fucking ring, you know. So it's, it's, it's Sean turning on Marty and, you know, Zabisco turning on Bruno just for sheer... What the fuck? Yeah. You know? Last question of the night. Peter Melnick, the sausage king of Chicago, asks, (laughs) have you ever been on a submarine? Uh, No. I think I'm I'm banned from submarines or any uh, small impacted areas where there's no ventilation. Confined spaces. (laughs) I don't think, I'll be honest, I don't think I would ever want to go on one just because... I think I would freak the fuck out. Like I, I get close. Like I watch videos of people swimming underground and underwater caves 
and my breathing just gets restricted. I'm just like, <gasps> also takes this one earthquake and you're just popped like a pimple underneath there. And nobody's going to find you. Never. They will never find you. There is no cell phone service. There is no way out. Fuck that. There's a YouTube channel. It's like fascinating horror. And uh, there was this dude who was, you know, craw- there's people who crawl through caves and they're going through tight things. And they had improperly marked one and he went down the one area where he, there was no way out and he got stuck and they couldn't get him out. And they tried, found him and they tried to tie a rope to his leg and pull and he got up and he got stuck. So they couldn't, he died and they, they poured cement over that thing to entomb his body in the cave. So, no, I've never been in a fucking submarine either. <laughs> Wait, let me go back and make sure I understand this. So he, they yeah. mismarked a map. He goes, yeah, like, yeah, like there's a map that says don't go down here. And so he, no, he did. He goes in there. Yeah, and they can't Called. can't get him out. Right. And then he gets stuck on the way out. They get him halfway up either road, and he falls further into the cave. And then he just sent down a walkie-talkie so he could say goodbye to his loved ones. And he did this, left him there to die. And then when he died, they poured concrete on top of him. Yes. To, uh, into, you know, make it a, they entombed it. I'll send you the video. It's on, on YouTube. My God. They made a movie about it, too, I think. And it's not the one where they got, and it's not the one James Franco was in where he had to saw his own, own arm off. But... <sighs> Uh, let me see. Hold on. Give me two seconds. Wow. Uh, that is absolutely fucking horrifying. I will never go spelunking or deep yeah, I'll cave never exploring. Fuck all that shit, man. Give Get a hobby. Seconds. Yeah, that's fine. Get a different hobby. No, like those people. I've seen like pictures where people are crawling in spaces that are like this fucking big underneath like the world. No way. Yeah. Not a fucking chance in hell will you ever catch my fat ass doing anything of the sort. Oh, man. I was trying no, to find the name. No fucking way, man. It's like a cave out in the middle, middle of the United States. Oh, Schlichter oh, says, wow. timely, the USS Intrepid, the body slam challenge, has a submarine you can tour next to it. <laughs> That's pretty fucking good, man. Maybe we'll yeah. do that. Maybe we'll do that. But, Meanie... I want to thank you for doing the show with me and entertaining us and answering the questions. Don't forget, tweet us your questions at MindOfTheMeanie on Twitter using the hashtag AskMeanie. But I got to ask you one more thing, Meanie, before the end of the show, as you're finding the Spelunking Cave. Yeah, I can't find it. I'm kind of glad you can't because I think if I watch it, I would just be sitting up with bug eyes staring at the ceiling all night long. Panicking Plains Cave, I think it was. What's it called? Panicking? P-A-N-N-I-K-I-N Plains Cave. I, I think that was it. Plains. No, I'll find it. Oh, yeah, uh, I well, I found it. it. Yeah, the rescue in 1988. Something like that. Good but uh, where were we? <laughs> oh, my God. Is this him? Oh, no, it's a helicopter crash. Okay, so what I was asking was, what? <laughs> Where can everyone find you on social media? 
If you, yes, you listening at home, would like to follow the Blue Meanie on all forms of social media, go to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, which, eh, I don't know. Uh, at Blue Meanie BWO, uh, if you want to support the Blue Meanie, go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Blue Meanie slash Minded Meanie. Uh, and for the sake of this plug, slash Foundation Radio. Thank, uh, thank you. Right now, there's a special sale until tomorrow afternoon at 1 p.m. Use promo code America22. Save 20% off at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Blue Meanie, Mine Me, and Foundation Radio. Uh, also, go Collar and Elbow. Uh, CollarandElbowBrand.com. Uh, Collar and Elbow is the wrestling brand. Go to CollarandElbowBrand.com and use code, code Meanie. And save 10%. Uh, they got the uh, Rod Hicks is doing an amazing job over there. They just had a relaunch, uh, putting up some new products. So go check them out. If you would like to look as good as my beard looks and smell as good as my beard smells, go to madcatbeardcare.com. Uh, you know, uh, you, I have a fantastic scent over there called the Blue Spruce. Uh, Josh Thornton's doing amazing work over there. All the, the proceeds from madcatbeardcare.com goes to take care goes to taking care of feral cats. So if you're a cat lover and have a beard, or if you don't have a beard, but know somebody who does and wants a perfect gift, go to madcatbeardcare.com. Hey, if you want me to uh, send you a, a you or a loved one a message, go to cameo.com slash blue meanie BWO for birthdays, holidays, well wishes. Whatever your heart desires, go to cameo.com slash blue meanie BWO. Uh, January 23rd, 2022, I will be at Legends of Hamburg uh, convention. The pro wrestling fan fest returns to the historic Hamburg Fieldhouse in Hamburg, Pennsylvania, home of where Zabisco turned on Bruno. So uh, come and say hi to the blue blue guy, uh, legendsofhamburg.com. Uh, also, August 6th, or we'll be turning home to the 2300 arena for the icons of wrestling fan fest. I will have, I uh, went and got a special order of some blue spruce beard care. So uh, I will have some uh, new items there for sale at the icons arena of the, the blue, the uh, madcap beard care beard and bomb. Uh, also I'll have some uh, special posters that I'll be uh, selling. Uh, you have to come see what they are. Uh, I think you'll be happy. Uh, come so on August 6th. Uh, come say hello to the blue guy. Icons of wrestling. August 6th, 6th at the 2300 Arena. And Mr. Bernard, where can we find you? Thank you, Mr. Meany. I appreciate that. You can find me on my social medias at Instagram and Twitter at This Is Goober. Yes, that is my handle. No, I'm not changing it. It's a brand, pal. You can also go right now, like Meany said, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Foundation Radio using promo code America22. Get 20% off of your swag from my site. Don't forget to listen to my other program, Foundation Radio, by finding all of my content at FoundationRadio.net. I will also be at Icons of Wrestling August 6th. It's the day after my birthday. I will not be appearing. I'll be there to see Mr. Meany and also Ken Shamrock. So go and come and say hi if you see me. I will be floating around there. Uh, as well pod squad thank you so much for joining us pod squad we love you so much patreon.com slash mind of the meanie sign up right now become a member see our beautiful faces every week when we record sometimes it's at night sometimes it's during the day maybe a midnight show we don't know we're wiling out here having a good time 
Meanie, thank you so much for doing the show. I appreciate your time as always. Thank you. And trusting me to guide the ship while Real Daddy is off finding cigarettes and sailing the world. When are you coming home, Real Dad? For the Blue Meanie. I'm not crying. For the Blue Meanie, I'm Adam Bernard. Join us again each and every week as we take a trip to the mind of the Meanie. This episode of Mind of the Meanie was recorded and produced by Adam Barnard and was engineered by Carl Pinnell. Additional production and narration provided by Sam Kreps. Our executive producers are Josh Chernoff, Adam Barnard, and the Blue Meanie. Our opening theme is performed by the Swamp Candles. Our closing theme is performed by Chikara. The show contains original music produced by Enrichment. Get additional bonus content by becoming our patron on Patreon at patreon.com slash mindofthemeanie. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at mindofthemeanie. This has been a Butts Carlton Media Production in conjunction with the MLW Radio Network. Butts Carlton Proprietor. That was Blue Meanie's brain out. The world of MLW Radio never stops. 